minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this Arab Shabbos edition of JM in the AM. This is Avrami sitting in for the one and only Nahum Siegel for the first half of the program at 7.30 a.m. Matis Weingast will be taking over, and he will be facilitating this week's weekly update with Nahum Siegel and Malcolm Holmline, so make sure that you stay tuned for that and a whole lot more. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Oh, he
And that was Ohad capping off that set with Licha Dodi. Lots of great uh, Shabbos tunes in there. We had um, Yehuda Green with Nishmas Kalchai. That one going out to all of our listeners here in the Baltimore area in honor of the fact that the uh, Devekos Minion here at the local Shul Shomre sings that tune to Nishmas every single Shabbos. It's a really great moment. They begin the Nishmas with that. really helps gather everybody together for the... Um, Berkas Kriyashman and stuff. It's really wonderful. So uh, if you haven't had a chance to check that out, hopefully you enjoy that because it's a really lovely tune. Uh, before that, we had uh, Niranana, and uh, that was by off of the new Chaim David Burson CD. And uh, we had in there Bowie, uh, which was sung by Shlomo Katz. And we started off that set uh, just after the Moda'ani. We started it off with the Moshav band off of Shabbat Volume 1 with Shalom Aleichem, welcoming everyone to this Friday morning program. This is Avrumi sitting in for the one and only Nachum Siegel just for the first half of the show. At about 7.30, Matos Weingast is going to take over the engineering and the hosting. And then at its regularly scheduled time, uh, the weekly update is expected to be happening. Nachum Siegel will be conducting the weekly update with Malcolm Honline at the uh, regularly scheduled time. And then following that, we will have Rabbi Yudin, as always. And Matos then takes it for the rest of the program. So uh, hopefully you will all stay tuned and enjoy and get the latest news concerning Israel and the Jewish community around the world. And following today's program, there is an all-new edition of uh, Table for Two, so make sure that you are tuned in for that uh, because, uh, yeah, Naomi works really hard to put on great shows, so make sure that uh, this week's um, this week's guests are uh, cookbook author Rocky Pinson and uh, Amy Turner, who is the creator of Granola Chick. That happens from 9 until 10. And then, of course, the encore presentation of Mark Zomik's excellent um, Arab Shabbos show with wonderful uh, Shabbos songs, stuff having to do with the Parsha. Probably there's music in there as well about uh, Rosh Chodesh and so on because we bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. And uh, so we can all enjoy that together. It is a wonderful way to uh, get your Arab Shabbos going, a wonderful way to prepare for Shabbos. And I hope you will all stay tuned all the way up till candle lighting. Um, and of course, the Arab Shabbos show and the Arab Shabbos music mix is brought to us by our friends at Kedem. Yeah, wonderful products, wonderful things for Shabbos. So, uh, yeah, make sure you are tuned in and wishing everybody a wonderful Shabbos. We're headed back to the music now, and uh, this is a classic that we will be saying the words of this very evening. This is the live version of it. This is Diaspora Yeshiva Band with Tzadik. You are tuned into JM and the AM here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Well, here's the, here's the song that sort of shook things up in the Yeshiva world. It was the first, I guess what they called it was uh, Yeshiva Rock. This is called Tzadik Katamari Tadik, Katomar, where are you from? Eres Boba, don't you scare? Shisuli, Bebez Hashem, Bebez Hashem, come on. Tadik, Katomar, where are you from? Face 
Listen to that sound. Morning comes, I roll out to feeble. Keep my soul strong, not old and feeble. Herring, chunk, grab a shuffle to learn. Shabbos ebbs and for another I yearn. Yom Hashpeed's all day of rest. Had a tough week, just decompress. We don't realize how we are blessed. So now spread the love and invite some guests.
the families attend to love and care. Love and care. It's all because of you that the house is blessed. Like Rachel Ray, you could go in 30 minutes or less. It's a fact around the world from Flappers to France. We may be the men, but you be wearing the pants. <laughs> Thank you. 
And that was Simcha Liner off of his uh, latest CD, Merakade, with Lachayim. That one going out to all those people who enjoy a Lachayim on a Shabbos or Yom Tov, but, uh, but don't take it too far. And uh, before that, we had Likvod Shabbat, and uh, that was uh, brought to us uh, by Amaylach um, Kohn. We had in there Adon Olam off of the new Sandy Shmueli CD. We had the TGIF Medley 2 brought to us by A.K.A. Pella. Uh, we had Lichadodi in there, uh, the classic by Rabbi Shlomo Karlbach, and we started off that set with um, the Diaspora Yeshiva Band and their uh, classic Tzaddik, a live version of that, um, words that we will be saying a handful of hours from now during the uh, Friday Night Liturgy. It is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program, heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the Nachum Siegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. And we thank you so much for tuning in and making the program part of your morning, part of your Erev Shabbos. Uh, this is Avrami sitting in for the one and only Nachum Siegel, only till about 7.30. Then Matus Weingast will be taking over and be hosting, and he will be, um, he will be facilitating the weekly update as Nachum Siegel will be conducting the uh, weekly update with Malcolm Holmline at the regular time, 7.40 this morning. And that'll be followed, of course, as always, by Rabbi Benjamin Uden on the Torah portion of the week. And then Matis will uh, be there to close out the show. It's always an honor and a privilege to be part of this great team and bring you this wonderful programming. A couple of reminders. Uh, tomorrow night is the 24th annual Ezra Witkin's Echron Levracha Yardzeit Shear. Uh, the topic is Powerful Choices. It's going to be going on at 8.15 Motzeh Shabbos in the Omara Shul of the JEC, 330 Omara Avenue, Elizabeth, New Jersey. The speaker is going to be Rabbi Dov Kelsen, the Mashgiach Ruchani Yeshiva Darche Torah High School, Far Rockaway. Again, that's tomorrow evening, Motzeh Shabbos, 8.15 p.m., 330 Omara Avenue, Elizabeth, New Jersey, the 24th annual Ezra Witkin Yardside Shear. So if you're in the area, uh, please make sure to attend if you can. And another event that's coming up is going to be this Sunday morning, an Uncle Maishi Benefit concert for Canavan Disease Research, which was highlighted by Nahum Siegel on JM and the AM just the other week. It's going to be Uncle Maishi with Cousin Nahum Sunday morning, January 14th at 10.30 a.m., taking place at the Westside Institutional Synagogue concert proceeds to be donated to the Save Benny and Josh campaign. For all information about that and the event that I mentioned before, the Yardside Shear, you can check out the uh, the uh, community calendar here at NahumSiegel.com, which if you or your shul or your organization has something going on that you would like to utilize so you can get your events announced just like this, all you have to do is email me, af at NahumSiegel.com, with all the information, the time, the place, the cost, everything. If there's a flyer of some sort, you can send that as well, and we'll post it. So uh, people will be able to know about the events that you are putting on. Uh, just a quick uh, look at the weather for the weekend. Uh, we're looking, of course, uh, we'll do first in, uh, in the holy city of Jerusalem. Uh, we have got, of course, uh, today's weather uh, mostly sunny, high 59. Uh, tomorrow for Shabbos it looks uh, sunny and 61. It does, it does look like they're going to be having some rain on Sunday and Monday, Baruch Hashem. Uh, Much-needed rain, so uh, we pray for that over there, as opposed to over here in America, where we prefer to not have so much rain. Uh, In the New York area, we are looking at um, a high 60, but there is going to be rain. I guess that's uh, better than snow. For Shabbos, looking at a.m. showers, high 48. Uh, And then it gets back to being cold again on Sunday, 31. And uh, for those of us who are residing in the uh, Baltimore area, or uh, I guess Baltimore or D.C. Uh, today, rain expected, high 63 uh, for Shabbos. Uh, A.M. clouds, uh, P.M. sun, the high 39. So we get to have a day or two of some nice weather, a little bit of a tease uh, for spring. 
and uh, then it goes back to being winter. But we got to be thankful uh, for whatever good weather that we can have. And, and we are entering hour number two of this uh, Friday morning JM in the AM. I'm going to be with you here until 7.30, as I mentioned. But we're headed right back to the music now. Uh, this is a wonderful Shabbos selection. This is off of Michal Prozanski's all-new CD, Shooting for the Moon. This one is called His Orrery. You are tuned into JM in the AM here at the Nachum Siegel Network. His
ומשמיעים בגידו יחד בכל, ומשמיעים בגידו יחד בכל, דברי אלוקים חיים, ומלך עולם, כולו מועמדים, בדום עולם, ומשמיעים בגידו יחד בכל, ומשמיעים בגידו יחד בכל, דברי אלוקים חיים, ומלך עולם. Ibeiragim chayim Umelech Oh, oh, oh. 
And that was Eitan Katz with uh, his take on Rav Shlomo's Bowie B'Shalom. Hopefully you all enjoyed that, capping off a wonderful set of Shabbos-related tunes and new music at the same time. We had Zemi Zev of Shirei Pinchas 3 uh, featuring Micha Gomerman on vocals. We had Licha Dodi in there, uh, and that was off of Lev Tahar Volume 5. We had Kulam by Mordechai Shapiro off of his uh, Machar CD, and we started off that set with Hisorari by Michal Prusansky off of his Shooting for the Moon CD. Lots of great new music being brought to you here on this Arab Shabbos edition of JM in the AM. This is Avrami uh, sitting in just for a little bit longer uh, for Nachum Siegel, and then Matus Weingast is going to take over, and he's going to be uh, running the show, and he's going to be presenting both Nachum Siegel and um, Malcolm Honline as Nachum will be conducting the weekly update at its regularly scheduled time this morning. So don't worry, just because Nachum is not here now it does not mean our programming is being totally disrupted. Nachum wanted to make sure to have this most important conversation happening. Get, that way you get the latest news concerning Israel and the Jewish community around the world. And then Matas will be presenting Rabbi Yudin on the Torah portion of the week and taking care of the rest of the show. It's always an honor and a privilege to be able to be part of this great team. And I really I don't host any part of JM the AM that often. So uh, it's a wonderful to be part of this and to be able to share great Jewish music on this Arab Shabbos with our international audience. And uh, and I thank you for tuning in and making the program part of your day. I believe the next time I'm going to be on the stream after this is going to be tomorrow night for Saturday Night Seagull. That's my program, uh, 9 p.m. here on Saturday night. So uh, lots of great uh, song selections for Mosei Shabbos, including this really cool one that I found uh, this week on YouTube with Yonatan Razel, which I had never heard before, which is not, which actually pretty recent uh, release. So we're going to get to that tomorrow night. A little bit of a teaser there. Of course, we also present Rabbi Zwickler to share some Debre Torah uh, in the morning. So uh, anyway, I guess the last song that I'm going to play before I head out and before Matis is going to take over is um, off of Avram Fried's uh, Bring the House Down. Uh, this one is called Hineni Biadcha. And uh, that'll take us in, and then Matis will be taking over and taking over the rest of the show. So for my part, let me take this opportunity to wish everybody a uh, Shabbat Shalom, a wonderful Shabbos, and since we are benching Rosh Chodesh, a Chodesh Tov as well. And to make sure you stay tuned for Matis, for Nachum and Malcolm, for Rabbi Yudin, all the great stuff coming up. You are tuned into JM and the AM here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Ribbono, I love him, you dati, you dati, you dati. Kinni be yotku, be yotku, be yotku leva. Kinni be yotku, be yotku, be yotku leva. Kachoymer, kachoymer, be yad, be yad hayoytzai. I will be 
ושם נשיר שיר חדש, ושם נשיר שיר חדש. ייבנה, ובננננלה, ובננננלה. ייבנה, הרח המנה הנקדש, יסברך מישראלה. הרח המנה הנקדש, יסברך Thank <laughs> you. 
הפסוקים ערוכים, ברוכים.
לפעמים מרגישים שהחיים כל כך קשים, מה יהיה עוד יום עד שנה? התקענו יום? אבל אני מחייך, לא דואג להמשך, כי יש לי, יש לי אמונה. לפעמים מרגישים שהחיים כל כך קשים, מה יהיה עוד יום עוד שנה? אבל אני מחייך, לא דואג להמשך. יש לי, יש לי אמונה אני מאמין בניסים אני יודע שיש אלוקים והוא בורא עולם הכוח של כולם שומע את קולי אני מאמין בניסים אני יודע שיש אלוקים והוא בורא עולם הכוח של כולם, ישלח לי את הנס, ישלח לי את הנס שלי, יאללה! קומאדיוקלאבהניווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווווו
בשירים Aftermath of this terrible episode. 
uh, all of the above. There are efforts, uh, proposals to build to legalize uh, an outpost uh, that was proposed by the defense minister. There are others who uh, are pushing for a much tougher response, and the police have been searching for the killer. Uh, two uh, Palestinians were killed yesterday in uh, clashes as a result of it. So they, there is a, there's a, a multitude of reactions, and uh, the funeral itself was uh, drew a large crowd and very angry uh, responses to this uh, devastation. When you hear the report, you know that he was shot. I think six bullets hit him, and then 22 bullets were fired uh, in a drive-by shooting. And somebody who clearly um, played such an important role and and uh, was a first responder himself. Um, I think that this is, uh, you know, the, these things evoke a, a, a response, and, a, and it's a cumulative. They will demand more and more steps taken to assure response that they didn't have. Um, they weren't hooked up to to a central grid. I think uh, certainly a, a warning system, and uh, this is now being rectified. But people are saying, why did it have to take this to get that done? So I'm, you know, every incident like this and uh, every tragedy like this um, it evokes a response, and then particular uh, steps are taken. But you're right that there has been a, an increase, a spike in the in the number of attacks. Though overall, uh, the number of uh, people killed over in 2017 was down from the year before, or the number of attacks was down, uh, although. It was, Pretty similar number of people uh, died. They, we don't realize when you look at the cumulative figures for a year how many people are injured and, and uh, also shown killed. Uh, there are theories why it's gone up over the last month or two, including one that President Trump might be responsible for it. Is that he's not responsible for it? And uh, you know, the, the people responsible are the terrorists, and if they can use any excuse they want, but. To say that the president is responsible, terrorism was true under President Obama or, president, or other presidents, and whether they were critical of Israel or supportive of Israel, you know, it's a mistake to let the, to, to let these kind of uh, assessments by people don't get it. That people who want to carry out terrorist attacks will do so. They'll find any excuse to do so. There's no justification for the murder of an innocent civilian driving in his car. Uh, the president likes to cite the wall in Israel uh, as a big deterrent, and uh, you know one of the things that has really brought down over the years the number of terrorist attacks. Does that make you feel uncomfortable at all when he defends his wall policy by citing what's been going on in Israel over these last few years? Well, I mean, I think that the situation is, aren't aren't analogous in many respects, uh, but the prime minister has made uh, certain references. Um, just to, to substantiate what I said, I think last year, this past year, um, there were 263 wounded and 169 the year before, 99, uh, 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 there were 99 attacks originating in the West Bank, and in 1916, I think, in 2016, there were 269 uh, attacks with 17 killed, in this past year, 20 killed. So it's not a vast difference from uh, the year before in the number of uh, casualties, uh, but the number of attacks was uh, was down. Yeah, I think they were citing what was going on over the last month or two since the Jerusalem announcement. Right. Uh, 
Yes, but we, why why should a Jerusalem announcement be allowed to 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 be used uh, to justify um, murders? Would, would we say the same thing here if some guy goes and starts shooting up a school or shoots people on a highway because he doesn't like a particular announcement the president made? It's uh, you know the, the the people who have to be blamed are the terrorists, those who incite terrorism. Uh, uh, starting with President Abbas and moving down, and we see it now in the calls to cut the funding of UNRWA, the quarterly payment is due and it's being uh, held up, that um, uh, other steps that are being taken to to identify the, and, and for one time confront honestly and openly uh, what is going on. The Palestinian Authority last year, in the past uh, 2017, paid terrorists $358 million, and to them and their families, uh, this came from the Israel's Ministry of Defense uh, in, a, in a report they issued er, er, during this past week, and it, it's 7% of the total budget. In the year before, they spent $322 million, so more than $35 million more last year, despite all the criticism and the focus from Congress and the um, uh, condemnations even from the Europeans. So terrorists who get a life sentence get an average monthly stipend of almost $3,000, whereas the Palestinians, the, the, I think the average salary of a Palestinian is under $600. And this is a, you know, it's, it's a billion shekels, uh, more than a billion shekels a year. So let's talk about the sources of why people engage in, in terrorism. It's a real incentive, to say the least. Will that payment be made, by the way, the UNRWA payment? I think eventually it will be paid. Uh, they're going to review it and, and look at the uh, uh, a lot of considerations. The government of Israel also has considerations because you know some of these things go to funding uh, food and other things. And um, uh, you know the United States it's given about six billion dollars to UNRWA, and uh, it, and it averages I think we give now about four hundred million dollars a year. And when we see that the UNRWA schools continue to engage in the incitement and the um, um, uh, their universities and other things, their community centers are used for promoting terrorism, and and the Palestinians still refuse to come to the table. The president, I think, has a right to say, we're not going to fund it anymore. Yeah, no question about that. Uh, the question is, will he have the guts to actually hold up that payment in perpetuity? Well, he, he did come out this week, by the way, also strongly supporting the Taylor Force Act, um, which uh, will be a dramatic cut in aid also to the Palestinians. It's not unrated, it's others. And uh, he said that he would sign it if it uh, if it comes to him. You know, it's passed the House now. It's got to get um, uh, it passed the Foreign Relations Committee in, this, in the Senate, but it has to get passed now the full Senate. What do you think of this uh, Egyptian problem with the New York Times that uh, the Times had reported that in Egypt they were trying to um, uh, to brief people on how to explain to uh, students and in media sources how good the uh, Jerusalem announcement from President Trump actually is and that people should not react in a negative way actually suing the New York Times over this report? I think that, uh, you know, the, it, 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 these are the kind of things that, uh, are done quietly. Uh, there was also an Egyptian professor who lectured in a university in Israel, got a rock star reception, as it was described. 
and of course, then there were a lot of condemnations. People, um, uh, you know, were in Egypt were protesting, and the poor guy, uh, who, who is the leading social scientist in Israel, in uh, Egypt, uh, was berated. So it happens often, and people know that when somebody undertakes to go to speak in a university in Israel, they know what the uh, that there will be this kind of reaction. The government, though, hasn't has uh, stood by its position. And here what they were saying is that, look, and, and a reflection of the reality, this doesn't change anything. This is not an issue that we should be having strife and tensions with Israel. They're our ally now. We need to have a good relationship with them. Uh, and I think the, the um, you know, the New York Times and others, uh, you know, exploited, obviously it's news when they get the reports, uh, but it was internal discussions, and we'll see yet what, what comes out of it. So you have no trouble uh, believing the Times report, and at the same time, uh, in Egypt, they were saying, we're not going to let this come between us and our good relationship with Israel right now. That's what they said. We're not, and, and it wasn't just there. Look how muted the reaction is. Remember the prediction that there would be months of, yep. of demonstrations, there would be an intifada, that the Arab street, uh, not even the Palestinian street, is aroused anymore, and it's down after a few days. And when the, and without the incitement, it would have been quieted down even earlier. That uh, induced and, and insightful rhetoric that that uh, followed the announcement and the threats. And you see that people have other things on their mind. They want to be fed. They want other jobs. They want they want life. They want peace. They don't want uh, to have. This. Or, of course, there are significant population still that are radicalized and that will take advantage of any opportunity like this to, to exploit against the governments or against uh, others and to, to promote themselves. But just look at the facts on the ground. Yeah. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSingle.com on the NahumSingle Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app, Malcolm Homeline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. My thanks to Matis Navrami and the entire team keeping us going here on a Friday morning broadcast while we are with the Kids of Courage, their Shabbaton in Phoenix, Arizona. Well, it's one week later, Malcolm, and last week was very interesting in the aftermath of the initial push in Iran uh, on the streets, the protests, the demonstrations, watching the reaction of the Iranian government, etc., and really world reaction, uh, frankly, Seven days later, what is the update regarding those demonstrations in Iran? Well, for one, uh, they haven't stopped, even though the, the press is not reporting them and the government is saying that they're over. They're certainly diminished. There's been an all-out effort to to um, break them up, and they brought in troops, um, the Basiji, and, and usually moving them from city to city so they don't have to do it in the places where they come from because they're afraid of retribution. Uh and I think the the um, uh, United States statements of support do do, do differentiate it, the, the reaction from those in the past. And these demonstrations are different than the earlier ones, and especially 2009, in, in that it was more widespread and it's um, much more of a, a grassroots operation than um, elite in the big cities. Uh, we're seeing the minorities have been increasingly involved in the frustrations there because of the unemployment rates, 50% amongst college graduate women, 40% overall among college graduates, 
uh, um, unions, others, because their pay rates are so low, none of the benefits that they uh, were promised. And then they read in the newspaper that Iran spent $16 billion to support terrorists and rogue regimes uh, around the world. And supporting Assad in Syria, it's estimated cost $15 billion a year, including the uh, thousands of IRGC and the 20,000 Shiite or 30,000 Shiite militiamen that are there. Uh, they bankroll Iraqi security forces that probably cost a billion dollars and support for Hezbollah. This year is estimated to be close to a billion dollars, uh, let alone Hamas, etc. And the people are looking at this, and that's why they're yelling. We not. We won't die for Hamas. We won't die for Hezbollah, Gaza, or or uh, Hezbollah. We'll die for Iran, and, and that we don't want this money spent. Leave Palestine. They tell them. Uh, the, these demonstrations, and I think that what was initiated, even if it continues at a lower simmer, uh, will continue to burn and will flare up. And I think it, it's reflective of um, deeper schisms that we have talked about, and uh, we keep in touch with people inside Iran and those who are in touch with the the various factions there. It's not a unified opposition. Uh, The son of the former Shah has been talking about coming back into it. The the United States is looking now at new sanctions. The president has to decide by Monday to decertify, which he'll probably do, but I don't think that they will end the JCPOA, and it's interesting that how many... Israeli and other scholars of Iran have urged them not to break uh, the, the deal right now, but to impose new sanctions and to make the deal work, meaning put the sanctions and put the restrictions enforced. Uh, if you may have noticed that the Iranian government announced that they're banning the teaching of English now in primary schools in Iran because of the deleterious impact of learning and the cultural invasion, I think that they called it, that uh, young people learning English are able to access sites and that they can't control. So the way you fight back is uh, no nothingism and, and making sure your kids can't speak English. They will <laughs> learn English anyway. I assume the uh, Jewish community is laying low, the Jewish community of Iran is laying low during these protests. Absolutely. Have nothing to do with the demonstrations. It's a small community between ten and 20,000. Nobody knows the exact numbers, obviously. They... They're very precarious positions, so they have not been party to this. But the position that you just cited is, is, is so confusing, I think, to a regular guy like me. Because, you know, money talks. Uh, if, in fact, the uh, the president would act the same way he's acting in other situations, you know, with the tough talk and, in many cases, the tough follow-up, as we've seen this week, um, you would think that, you know, that, that the... Uh, that, that further sanctions and, and, and killing the Iran deal, which would eliminate so much money that's being transferred, would be the best idea. And that's why it's hard to believe, especially coming out of Israel, why people, why, why academics and others who analyze these situations are insistent that this is a bad time to do that. Is there a simple way to explain it? Uh, yeah, it, it's just a pragmatic uh, decision that one, uh, Iran has gotten most of what it wanted out of the deal. It's not ongoing uh, money, so the, uh, we can impose uh, certain sanctions. There's some that, uh, as long as the, he has to make that decision, the president has to make a decision whether to continue uh, the tougher sanctions like on SWIFT and banking and other the oil sector, but there are many others. And even Europeans and, and those who, who say keep this, 
the JCPOA are saying impose new sanctions, you know, make the sanctions we have more effective. Um, and uh, they're saying, though, that if you break it now, you'll give them the excuse, the Iranians the excuse to, to go full force, that they uh, have developed a lot during this period, technologies that they could now move forward, and that the um, you're just simply moving up the breakout date. And that the the Europeans will will continue the the to do business. That even if the United States stops, so then the Europeans will just fill the void and will do more. Uh, so the attitude is try to negotiate, use this as leverage to um, uh, with the Europeans to say that we, you know you don't if we don't work out some way to enforce it better to to impose new sanctions to you know, support the people who are demonstrating. And you notice how, how quiet the European countries have been in, in this regard. It's really quite astonishing that, uh, that well, or maybe not astonishing at all. Meaning in reaction to protests. Yes. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that just a second ago, about, the, uh, about their muted response or no response. So the payments are essentially finished at this point? Whatever Iran got in the billions and billions for the Iran deal, one hundred or one hundred fifty billion. That was that yeah. was the payment. Yeah, no, no, no ongoing payments. But you know they are doing deals with Boeing. They're doing deals with others. The problem is that they're buying the planes, um, but they're trading with Europe. Doing the trade with America is not going up, and and it's you know they know that the cost is is of. Um, doing business is, is that you can't do business with America. Companies will make a quick choice. But the trade with Europe in many areas, especially consumer items, is, has increased sharply. And they, they and also oil exports uh, have gone up. But the economy itself is not benefiting. It, the IRGC and, the, and Khamenei, the Iran Revolutionary Guard and Khamenei, control over 40% of the economy. So the benefits that come come to them first, they, and they don't get down to the grassroots, and that's why people are reacting because they were told, you know, a hundred billion dollars coming in, hundred fifty billion dollars. They don't see any trickle down. They don't see any benefits coming to them, and you see the demonstrations on their campuses where they throw off the burkas and and have their pictures taken doing so, and have had demonstrations, and and the fact that people are yelling death to the dictator, which could carry a death penalty. Uh, uh, and we we know that people dozens have been killed in these demonstrations. Um, it, you know, shows the the depth of frustration, and that people are willing to take risks to to defy the government. Uh, with great concern, that everybody has on the uh, you know for the Israeli army and the Israeli people along the Syrian border. What is the update in terms of what's happening there? Well, there is a it's a very serious situation and becoming uh, increasingly the focus. Uh, of attention, as I said, uh, you know, we talked a couple months ago about the warnings we heard about a war in the north, because the Hezbollah has been building up. Israel's been taking all sorts of precautionary measures, including trying to recarve the borders, and I mean literally recarve, not on paper, but uh, you know, making steep uh, inclines and and uh, trying to limit the opportunities for Hezbollah to cross the border to to invade as they want to. Uh, the and the border fences, et cetera, are being reinforced. But the um, we know that the Assad forces have moved into areas of the Syrian Golan, so have Hezbollah and, and some of the militia. 
this is a violation of the understandings that were reached, and Israel has been pressing the Russians and, and others, and as, as you know, did a couple of bombing raids over the past week, uh, which uh, hit uh, supposedly a, uh, an Iranian uh, facility. Uh, so the you know because Israel has to keep this red line, they have to make it clear we're not they're not going to tolerate it. They're not going to allow incursions because it will mean civilian lives will be lost. And the um, you know this is to preempt uh, what could escalate easily into a, a much larger conflict. So Israel this time will, will be uh, un, uh, unlimited in its response as opposed to what it was in the past when Hezbollah was a factor, but it wasn't the government. Today they are the government as well. They are certainly a significant part of the government, and uh, so all these facilities, the government facilities, etc., are fair gain if Israel has to respond to, to increased threats and terrorism. Are there attempted infiltrations? Or are there scared? All the time. So no matter what Israel is doing, they can't scare off the attempts? Oh, they do, and they they have done... Uh, I mean, I've been to the border many times, and it's quiet, go there in the middle of the night, other times, and they're bringing in Syrians to be treated. So their scouts, Israeli scouts, go out and to make sure that things are safe, and They've been able to conduct this for now for a couple of years. 4,000 or more Syrians have come into Israel to be treated. Uh, again, a story nobody wants to tell. And uh, um, they know that uh, any, any interference or attempts will you know, be um, very costly to them. Right. And the PA and Hamas are still, uh, still have different political positions, correct? Yes, but I think that you have to look at the Gaza situation where we see Hamas and Islamic Jihad are going at it. Uh, I did touch on this before that I saw these signs, but we're seeing um, the the demonstrations against the PA and against Hamas. They said that 45,000 Hamas employees in Gaza haven't had a salary for two months. Remember, we talked about the standoff that the PA was trying to replace the people with their with their government employees as part of the understanding between Hamas and, and the, the, the PA, the Palestinian Authority, and that the, the, um, there have been demonstrations against both of them because of it. But now ISIS, it appears, is challenging Hamas in Gaza, and uh, there are reports of some executions and uh, other uh, attacks. Uh, but this could be a response because Hamas backed off of some of the support of, of uh, IS, of Islamic State, in in the Sinai, um, at Egypt's prodding and others, and because they want to get more money. Uh, if you did see there was one gesture from the PA to Hamas, to the people of Gaza, where they've increased the hours of electricity, meaning they applied to Israel, and Israel readily agreed, and I think they increased it now. That is four hours a day, or or of electricity in uh, to the, for the people in Gaza. Um, it's interesting. You know, sometimes you forget. Well, you don't forget, but I, we forget. Um, e- Egypt settles a situation, or you know, a, m- more peace and tranquility comes between them and Hamas, for instance, or them and the uh, and you know whichever group is there. On the border, and they have to deal with the next one. They have to deal with the more with the next radical one who's not happy with the uh, with the situation that's going on. Uh, well, their position is, yeah, their position is to hold Hamas accountable for everything that uh, 
including Islamic Jihad, including ISIS? They, they say, look, you're in charge of the area. As long as you're in charge, you're, you will be held responsible. They want them uh, uh, to clamp down on it. Um, and, and by the way, when we're talking about the Europeans, there's just one story that I saw this week that it's just so incredible from Vienna where the Viennese police are, are uh, looking to pro- put criminal charges against three pro-Israel activists because they waved an Israeli flag uh, against uh, anti-Semitic slogans at an anti-Israel rally near the U.S. embassy in, in December. And they, they want to find them and even give them two days in jail because they showed the, an Israeli flag that they, they said at a, a, in an extremely provocative way and that it was visible to the participants in the rally and therefore it was a provocation against the Palestinian protesters. Hello? <laughs> this is people won't speak up for the for the demonstrators in Iran and they're going after if if anybody wants to understand what the nature of the of what we face in, in Europe, I thought that's that report really said it all. Yeah, well I mean the muted or the, the non response in terms of the Iranian demonstrations is unbelievable and the, and the fear of what the U.S., especially uh, under President Trump, you know, the way they, the fear of how we here in this country may react to what's going on in Iran is unbelievable. And that is their greatest concern instead of the, you know, concern for those who are trying to, uh, to live their lives and make things better where they are. Learned a lot about the Europeans, no question about that. Um, Alrighty, I thank you. Thank you very much. And, uh, we will reconvene Take that next Arizona next sun in and, yeah, make sure to inhale as much as you can of it when you bring it back. And, uh, have a great Shabbos. You as well. Have a wonderful Shabbos. My thanks to Matt, of course, for making sure we all connect. Uh, Malcolm Holmine is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. This time each every Friday, every Arab Shabbos. With great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin spiritual leader of congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Va'era. In Parshas Va'era, we are presented with the first seven of the Makos, of the plagues that Hashem brings on Mitzrayim. And you can see from the parsha that the purpose of the plagues are two in nature. They are, on the one hand, punitive. They are a punishment to Mitzrayim. And at the same time, they are instructive. They are teaching Mitzrayim and the Jewish nation as well that that there is a God in this world. And very quickly... Tonight, we'll have the privilege of making Kiddush. Now, in the Kiddush, we ascribe to the Shabbos two different motifs. We have Zecher, Lemase Bereshis, God is the Creator, and Zecher Litzias Mitzrayim, a remembrance of the Exodus. There are two presentations of the Ten Commandments, in the first presentation, in Parshas Yisro, the Torah gives the reason for keeping Shabbat to remember creation as he, quote, rested and deceased 
from creating. So must we. And in the second set of Ten Commandments in Parshas for Eschanan, the Torah says the reason is because he took us out of Egypt. Are these two separate reasons? Perhaps. The Ramban says no. The Ramban says they are one and the same. How can that be? It's all to remember God the Creator. But how do we know that He is the Creator? We know that He is the Creator from the ten plagues, from the Eser Makos, from the fact that I have, from the same glass of water, I have an Egyptian and a Jew drinking from the same glass, from two different straws, and at the moment that the plague of blood strikes, from the same glass, the Jew continues to drink water, and the Egyptian drinks blood. How can that be? How do you explain it? It's not only a personalized miracle, which is so incredible, but because he is the creator, he could change water to blood, and that's the best proof that he is the one who is the creator. Now, we have in this week's parsha something very, very interesting. The Torah tells us, after the plague of blood, and if you want to see this verse inside, you'll take a look at chapter 7, verse 23. Because you wouldn't believe me. Remember, this is Paro, king of Egypt, responsible for the entire people, and his total water supply has been turned to blood. How does this affect him? Take a look in verse 23. Vaifen Paro, he turns away. Vayavo he comes to his house. And he doesn't take this matter to heart. Hello, how do you not take this matter to heart? But the Torah is showing us something incredible. It's almost like man has the capacity to press a pause button and not allow even that which is so obvious to affect him. He can literally uh, conduct himself as if it's not there, and don't worry, it will improve. Now, I want to show you an incredible contrast that you have in the parsha. The Levim, we know, were not included in the servitude. And therefore, when you see at the beginning of the parsha, at the beginning of the second Aliyah, these are the heads of the families of Israel. And the Torah gives us the names of Reuven and the heads of Shimon. When it comes to the family of Levi, the Torah changes, notes the Shalah, and the Torah says, shmos b'nei Yisrael. Pay attention, says the Torah, to the names of Levi. These are the sons, the names of Levi. And they are Gershon, Kahas, and Merari. These are names, says our rabbis, that even though Levi 
was not in the shibud, in the servitude. He saw with Ruach HaKodesh that there would be the servitude. So he gave names to his children that he should remember the plight of the rest of the Jewish people. <clears throat> the last 86 years in Egypt, the servitude was most oppressive. 86 years before the Exodus, a baby girl was born. And Yocheved, the mommy, and Amram, the father, named her Miriam. Now I ask you, who would call their little baby girl bitter? And that's what Miriam means, from Vayimoru Eschayeyem. And our rabbis tell us the reason that he called her bitter is because he wanted to remember all the time. Namely, he wanted to remember what was happening to the rest of the Jewish people. And therefore, he would call his daughter's name, as we call our children, thank God, so many times a day, he would call her name and be ever mindful of this kind Concept that the rest of the Jewish people are suffering, and Imo and Nochi Sarah, I am with them. Man needs constant reminders. I'll give you a very interesting proof. You'll take a look at the Ramban in last week's parsha, chapter 4, verse 10. And let me ask you Moshe had a birth, excuse me, a speech defect. Why does Moshe not ask Hashem, okay, you want me to be your, quote, spokesman to Paro? Get rid of the speech defect, and I'll be able to speak much more um, presentfully and do it in a much better way on your behalf. Why doesn't he ask Hashem to do this, says the Ramban? Because Moshe wanted to remember always how he got the speech defect. The Medrash tells us that Bilam, one of the advisors of Paro, said, oh my goodness, that very child on your lap, the one that Bitya adopted, that's the one that's going to lead the Jewish people out of Egypt. So Paro looked in amazement and they said, okay, let's test this baby. And the rabbis tell us that they put in front of baby Moshe a bowl of gold and a bowl of coals. And let's see where he's going to go. Baby Moshe went for the gold. The malach moved his hand and he took a coal and like a baby instinctively put it towards his mouth that's how we acquired the speech defect. And Moshe did not want to have it removed because it came about in a miraculous way that even Moshe needed quote-unquote reminders. Man needs reminders. And so it is that what do we do on a daily basis? This morning we said the Shema. The Shema is our pledge of allegiance. And guess what? Tonight we're going to say it again. Because between this morning and tonight, we are so distracted and we need to be once again reminded. Our putting on tefillin 
every single day, says the Chinuch in Mitzvah 421, is a reminder of just that, our needing to be reminded of Hashem in our lives. And listen to the language of the Rambam, who talks about the mitzvah of tefillin, excuse me, of mezuzah. And he says this in the last halacha of Hilchos Mezuzah, easy to remember, chapter 6, halacha 13, he says, the kolzman, whenever, on a regular basis, she kones that we enter and leave our homes, ipoga, we encounter in that mezuzah, Yichur Hashem Shemo, Shalakodesh Baruch Hu, the oneness of God as found in the Shema. Listen carefully. V'yizkor, and you'll remember, Avosal, to love Hashem. And or Mishnoso, it's to awaken us from our foolishness and the time that we waste in this world. And we are to know that nothing endures except for Hashem, His Torah. And this is what we are to be reminded by the mezuzah. Man needs reminders. You want to take a guess? How many times is Yetzias Mitzrayim found in the Torah? I hope you're sitting down. The answer is no less than 50 times. Why? What's so significant about Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim? Big deal. No, it's not that simply a historical fact, but we understand that He is the Creator. He is involved in Ashkocha Pratis, literally in divine providence in each and every one of our lives. We're reminded of His love for His people Israel by endowing millions of people with prophecy, giving us His Torah at Sinai, that it is nothing less that incredible that we have these number of times Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim to remind us that we need to be reminded of this basic point. Interestingly, the bracha borena fashos, right? When we have not eaten a grain product, one of the five grains, wheat, spelt rye, oats, and barley. So when we've not eaten from that, and we've not had uh, fruits from Eretz Yisrael, we've not had wine. So on all other foods, we make the bracha, Borena Fashos Rabos, which means we say, thank you Hashem for creating so many beings, V'chesronon, and He created us deficient. Hashem created us needy, that we are in need. Now in that bracha, we're saying, the Orach HaShulchan explains it to mean that God sustains us. We're saying thank you in this bracha for sustaining us. Baruch blessed is the life of HaOlamim, the worlds, this world and next world. Thank you Hashem for giving me sustenance in this world. Thank you Hashem as a result of my attributing the good that I have in this world to you, I acquire Olamim, the world to come as well. So man is put into this world deficient. As a result, he needs reminders. And therefore, on the one hand, 
the ability to forget is a bracha. Rachman a person loses, it should never happen, a child, a spouse. How can they continue to somewhat continue with their lives? Only because Hashem gives us this ability to forget. But, as the Dubna Maggid says on the Pasuk in Devarim, in Hazinu, Vatishkach Keel Mecholalecha, you forgot the God that formed you, the gift that Hashem has given us of forgetfulness, the Dubna Maggid says, too often we use it against Him. Now, finally, each and every generation faces its own unique challenges. Our extremely open, liberal society generates its own crises. And just as one can understand that there is an Isur Yichud, a prohibition of Yichud, of being alone with a woman who is not, quote, related to you, etc. And how this this prohibition safeguards Jewish moral values, one must realize that there can be an Isur Yichud with a computer. One's self-control today provides no assurance for the future. And as the Mishnah says, Ezul Chacham, who's the wise man, that one that can see the future, right? Listen carefully. The wise one today is he that ensures that the forbidden be not seen in the future. And lastly, it's very considerate that one puts their phone on vibrate when davening in shul. They're respecting the needs of those around them and refraining from disturbing them. But what about you? If your phone is on vibrate, come on, as much as you wish to ignore the vibrate, the momentary reflection of, who might that be? Who's calling me? But you're in the middle of the Shema. You're in the middle of the Shemona Esrei. This is a forbidden intrusion to our tefillah. It's a little bit of a leap, but I'm telling you, what do you have in Pashas Vo'era? Turn your phone off when you come into shul. Man is created needy. He needs reminders. The Torah provides us with many reminders. And I pray that we will be smart enough to make good use of these reminders. Shabbat Shalom to all. Shazer, 
Chasachodesh, words that will be said tomorrow by uh, Yehuda Green. It is uh, Erev Shabbos, and uh, tomorrow is Rosh Chodesh benching for Rosh Chodesh Shvat, for the month of Shvat, which will take place on Wednesday. Matas Weingast with you, carrying you till the end of the show this morning. My thanks to uh, Avrami for taking part, taking the uh, beginning of the show and uh, 
really helping set up everything for today. Much appreciated. And my thanks to Nachum and Malcolm and Rabbi Yudin. It is uh, 8.39 in the morning, Eastern Time, here on JM in the AM. January 12th, 25th of Tevet, as I mentioned, uh, Rosh Chodesh Shvat next week. In Dafyomi's Shavuos Mem Hey 45, and uh, Tuesday will be a Siyum on Shavuot, with Wednesday, Rosh Chodesh, starting Avodazara. It's a great time to start. It's nice and warm in uh, this part of the country. Uh, unseasonably so, a little bit. 54 degrees right now, heading up to 61. Uh, but it's raining and uh, cl- and foggy in many areas. Going down to 39 degrees in Jerusalem, 59 degrees. Right now, heading down to 43 degrees as we head to uh, as we head to Shabbos. Candlelighting 4:32 in the New York uh, area. Just a number of hours from now. Following the show at nine o'clock, table for two with Naomi Nachman. Naomi is uh, joined by cookbook author Rocky Pinson and uh, author Amy Turner, creator of Granola Chick. So that takes place at 9 until 10. At 10 o'clock, Mark Zomik with the Arab Shabbos Show, Encore, sponsored by our friends at Kedem. And at 1 o'clock, the Arab Shabbos Music Mix, which uh, carries us all the way to candlelighting, as I said, 4.32 this afternoon in the New York area. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel with host Avrami. And uh, Sunday morning, I'll be doing JM Sunday at uh, 7 a.m. A couple of uh, things to mention. Tomorrow night, there's going to be a uh, a shear taking place in uh, Elizabeth, New Jersey. It's the 24th annual Ezra Witkin Yartzeit Shear. Rabbi Dov Kielsen, Mashkiach Ruchani of Yeshiva Darche Torah High School in Farakaway will be the speaker. This topic will be Powerful Choices. It's taking place tomorrow night, January 13th, 8.15 sharp in the Elmora Shul of the JEC, 330 Elmora Avenue in Elizabeth, New Jersey. All are invited to attend uh, to that. Uh, so that's that's actually uh, our one announcement for now. So we're going to go back to the music to the end of the show. Thanks, everyone, for joining us this morning. And... Uh, up next is Gad Elbaz with Anim Zmirot. <laughs>
אצל ידיך, לדעת כוח עודך. children 
just how much you care There's a small piece of heaven in everyone's heart A glorious gift from above It will sparkle and shine if we each do our part To reach out and touch it with love There's a small piece of heaven in everyone's heart, a glorious gift from above. It will sparkle and shine if we each do our part. To reach out and touch it only with love There's a small piece of heaven in everyone's heart A glorious gift from above It will sparkle and shine if we each do our part To reach out and touch it with love Only with love Hashem b'simcha Oh, 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 oh,
They'll fill your home with light Singing songs of Shabbos Well into the night So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Thanks to Avrami for hosting the beginning part of the show and to Nachum for uh, picking it up in the middle. <coughs> Glad to be here today. Coming up next, Naomi Nachman, Table for Two, the Erev Shabbos show with uh, Mark Zamek and great programming. Great Erev Shabbos music mix sponsored by our friends at Kedem right up until candle lighting. Hope you have a great Shabbos. Don't forget that uh, Avrami hosts Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night, and I'll see you on Sunday morning on JM Sunday. Have a great Shabbos again, everyone. 